All right, please turn in your Bibles to the book of James in chapter 4. Uh, we're going to be continuing uh, a series that I started last week on blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Um, and so I'm going to do just a tad bit of review before we look at our passage this morning in James chapter 4. Uh, I'll just tell you right up front, this is going to be an intensely practical series, okay? We're going to be dealing with uh, something we all struggle with at times in our life, uh, probably uh, more than, of course, we would ever want, and that's how experiencing personal conflict, disagreements with people, arguments, uh, falling out, uh, friendships broken. And so uh, there is a right way according to the Bible, to approach these things. And I find that oftentimes people will deal with them in very unhealthy ways in which uh, it hurts them, it hurts those around them. And so uh, I want us to learn God's way of handling conflict. And what you'll find then is that God will use conflict in your life to help strengthen your relationships with Him and with others. And so I'm just going to do a quick review just a couple points of reminder of what we talked about last week. And it's important because that's really was last week we began to build the theology of this idea of peacemaking. We know there are verses like Matthew chapter 5 verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, right? And uh, we know that we're told in Romans 12 that we're to pursue peace with all men. Uh, but we find that difficult at times. Uh, sometimes we say, Hey, it is totally that other person's fault. If they would just, then we could get along. And uh, so uh, we can't force people to respond to our reconciliation. But we can create the atmosphere that makes it as easy as possible for reconciliation to happen. And so um, let me start with just giving a couple principles. Now, let me show you where we're going today, okay? Peacemakers see conflict as an opportunity to examine their heart and draw closer to Christ. Too often, what we say is, no, Lord, you need to fix that person. <laughs> I'm not the problem. They're the problem. Lord, change them. But peacemakers realize that God is using it to change them. And so it gives us an opportunity, if we really want to seek peace, to examine our hearts in light of the gospel, in light of the word, and then to draw closer to Christ. And the result will be that we're drawing closer to people, and we're, we're seeing relationships restored. All right, let's hit those few principles we looked at last week. Well, number one, God created the world in harmony, or we would say peace, but sin shattered that peace. We now live in a world full of conflict, and that conflict touches everything. It touches our relationship with God. Our relationship with God is broken through sin. We don't, we're not born as children of God into this world. We're born in his image, but we're separated from God through sin. But God has made a way to be reconciled back to him through Jesus Christ. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? We're going to be celebrating that later on to this morning with the baptism uh, God's reconciling heart. Um, but number two, God is a peacemaker who restores relationships through Christ. So sin shattered it, but God is the ultimate peacemaker. And Jesus Christ, uh, also being God in flesh, is the ultimate peacemaker. And we see 
Uh, Last week, we saw how he patiently and proactively and persistently is restoring relationships, these broken relationships uh, with himself and others. Now, remember, that conflict that we're experiencing is conflict with God, it's conflict with others, and it's even conflict within our own hearts. We're at war with ourselves. We don't even realize it. And then thirdly, because God is the ultimate peacemaker, he's called us to be ambassadors of peace. We're called to be peacemakers over and over. Matter of fact, we gave six passages where we're commanded to seek for peace. And so uh, he equips us to be peacemakers through two things, the fruit of the Spirit, so the fact that he gives us a Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, right? So we can become peacemakers because he's equipped us with the Holy Spirit, but also with the Word of God, okay? Because the Bible says the wisdom that is from above, this is James 3, is first peaceable, right? It's peace-bringing. It's interesting how Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 7 says, when a, way, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, this isn't a guarantee. Some people, sometimes people will just dislike you for whatever reason. They will not reconcile no matter what uh, acts of love and reaching out you may do. But as a general rule, those who seek for peace find that they're able to reconcile with relationships that are broken uh, with most of those. And so today we're just going to zero in on this idea of conflict. What do we mean when we say conflict? Because maybe what you're thinking of a conflict maybe goes back to a specific instance in your life. Maybe even one that's going on right now, an issue that you have with a person. Well, let's take a step back and look at it in general terms, okay? Conflict is a difference in opinion or purpose that frustrates someone's goals or desires. I think it's a really good Uh, explanation of what conflict is uh, by a guy named Ken Sandy. And so we're going to kind of break some of those terms down. So a difference in opinion, thinking, or purpose, this is what I want to happen here, that is frustrating someone's goals or desires. So we feel like someone is standing in the way of us of something happening that we think ought to happen. And when they do, we begin to get frustrated with them, and then conflict starts to form, okay? So that's what conflict we're talking about. Um, And so uh, what ends up happening is that once that person stands in our way and hinders us from what we really want, our our desires or our expectations, uh, then we begin to judge them, Hey, you should not be standing in my way. You're the problem here. We begin to condemn them. We begin to say, hey, you're definitely wrong, and I'm definitely right here. You're the problem in this whole situation. And then it goes to the third step, which is we begin to punish them. We cut off the relationship. Uh, We become passive aggressive. Uh, We withdraw from them. There's a whole lot of ways in which people then uh, will... Judge them, and so what happens is, is we kind of become the judge, jury, and executioner, if you will, uh, of those that we disagree with. And so, this is the kind of conflict that we're talking about. Uh, We're going to look at this from two different angles. We're going to look at outside conflict, the pressures that we feel that create conflict, and then we're going to talk about how we respond to them 
internally. So from the outside perspective, from the inside perspective. Now, here's something you need to keep in mind. Even if you're a Christian, you say, well, but I've put my faith in Jesus, and, and the Bible says I'm a new creation, so why am I still experiencing this conflict? Listen, just because you're a new creation doesn't mean that that remaining corruption and rebellion in your heart is completely eradicated instantly. We believe in progressive sanctification. It's a big fancy term for God over time through his word and spirit will begin to change us in the way we think, in the way we act, in the way we speak to be more like Jesus. And so that's what's going to happen here. And so you say, but even when I really try, sometimes it seems like there's conflict in my heart. Okay, don't lose heart, okay? We're going to from God's word, show you some ways in which you can begin to respond well and be able to find reconciliation even when conflict happens. Now, there's two basic kinds of conflict. There's material conflict and then there's personal conflict. Now, material conflict has to do more with things and issues. And personal is just exactly what it sounds like, personal relationships. So people sometimes have conflicts over things like contracts, property, uh, Product disputes, you know, hey, I bought this product and it didn't work, and now I'm very upset about this. Uh, I feel like it should have worked. Those are material things, have to do with more physical things. And then personal, of course, has to do with our relationships with people. And this is really the thing we're going to zero in on. Although, don't we know that sometimes those kind of things, those two things mix up? Uh, let me give you a, a, a for example. So, uh, your neighbor wants to build a fence. And they mark out where the fence is supposed to go. And you're just certain that that is one foot too far on your side of the property. So this is a material issue. It's property lines. And yet, you've seen instances where people go to war with their neighbors over a foot of ground. And so now it's crossed from material conflict to personal conflict. I've seen, uh, I've seen some of the most crazy stories of people just... For years having disputes with their neighbors, constantly doing things one to another, mean things in order to get back at each other. It's, it's just crazy how we do that sometimes. So there's two types, material and personal. Now, um, if we were all focused on God and his purposes, remember, it's a differences of thinking and purposes. Now, if we were all focused on God's purpose then uh, we wouldn't have any disunity because we would all be trying to please God so each of us would learn to, to do whatever is best so that we both are able to do God's will, right? But that's not the way it works, is it? Because we begin to say, no, I have some things that I want to happen in this situation. There are some things that I expect because they're right or because I just simply want them. And so that's when the conflict. Now imagine a person here and a person here who are both pulling for their own desires. What happens? They pull apart. If we're both working for common goal of pleasing God, we can then work together. And so we're going to learn how to do that uh, through the course of this series. Um, now, again, I want to say this, and this is so important. This is the heart of the gospel. Peacemaking is the heart of the gospel. Because through Jesus Christ, he brings peace with us through God, through salvation, okay? Because sin separates us, right? Uh, we are born as enemies, hostile to God. Through Jesus Christ, we are now made friends with God and made the children of God, okay? So he offers peace 
with God through salvation, Jesus also offers peace with others through unity. When we begin to stop fighting for our own purposes and start fighting for his purposes, we then can find unity. And even with people, not only that are other believers, but people outside by learning to love our neighbor and do what's best for them instead of what we want. But it also brings peace internally. Okay, Remember, we're at war with God, others, and ourselves. How does he do that? Through righteousness. Through righteousness. What you'll see in James chapter 3 is that three things are really intimately tied together. Uh, wisdom, peace, and righteousness. The wisdom of God, which brings about God's righteousness, results in peace. And so we can even have peace in our, in our own hearts. Our sin has created chaos in our heart because we were at war with God. God begins to bring us back in harmony with his purposes, and we we sense that instead of running from God, we're running to God. There is this reconciliation that happens in our own heart, and that brings us that sense of peace, that sense of settledness in our own hearts. All right, let's just talk briefly then about the causes of conflict, okay? <clears throat> I'm going to hit these rather quickly. And uh, so uh, if you can, if you've got a pen, write them down, write them and, uh, so you can remember those. But <clears throat> here they are. The first one is misunderstandings caused by poor communication. Misunderstandings caused by poor communication. I believe that a lot of the conflict that we have comes down to this right here. We just end up talking past each other. And the fact is, is sometimes uh, what we both believe is not even that far apart from, from, from each other. But because of the way that we're saying it, we talk past that person, we talk aggressively, or you know, we, <clears throat> we don't explain ourselves uh, correctly. And what happens is this, is poor communication patterns result in misunderstandings. And these misunderstandings make us feel like there's a chasm between us, and we're like, we can't ever get on the same page. They're so different from me. But I find a lot of it is just misunderstandings caused by poor communication. We see this in Joshua chapter 22. Uh, <clears throat> remember, uh, God brought the nation of Israel into the land that he had promised them. They crossed the Jordan River. They're in the, the promised land. But remember, two and a half tribes decided that they wanted to dwell on the east side of the Jordan River. They didn't go all the way into the land to claim their inheritance that God had given them. And so uh, all of a sudden the nation of Israel hears that the people on the east side of the Jordan built an altar. Now this is a big problem because God said from the very beginning, you're not to have any other gods before me. It's encoded right in the Ten Commandments. Have no other god before me. So the nation of Israel hears about the other uh, two and a half tribes who are on the other side building their own altar when there's an altar to the Jehovah God over in this side. So they say, hey, they're idol worshipers. We're going to go and we're going to attack them for disobeying God. So they get the army together. They get, get ready to go over there and go to war with them. And then they stop and listen to the explanation. And the, the leaders are like, no, 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 no. What we're afraid is of because we're on this side, one day you'll forget that we're part of you guys. We're all part of the same nation of Israel. And you'll tell us that we have no part with you. So we created an altar that looks just like the one in your land. So when you see it, you'll remember, hey, we serve the same God. We're part of the same people. And after they heard that, it says they went home. It says, oh, okay. You see, it was a misunderstanding. They made some assumptions and didn't bother to have conversations. Can I say this? I see this so often. 
People make assumptions about other people's motives. They make assumptions about what other people mean instead of just asking them a simple question. What did you mean by that? Now, notice the difference. Not, what do you mean by that? (laughs) Those come across very differently, don't they? Well, I want to understand your heart better. Can you explain further, like, what you mean? I I have had it to where if someone just explained a little bit more, it's like, oh, dude, I totally thought you meant something else. I thought you were attacking me. So we have misunderstandings because of poor communications. Sometimes it's just differences in goals, values, gifts, callings, priorities, opinions, expectations. You know, God made us different on purpose. (laughs) He's given us different giftings. He's given us different ministries. He's given us different personalities. We're very different. And you know what? That actually makes the church stronger, not weaker. Uh, If we were all exactly the same, it wouldn't make us weaker. It would actually make us very, very narrow and one-sided in our ability to reach other people. But God instead gives different gifts, and he, he he likens us to a body, says we all don't need to be the ear, we all don't need to be the eye, we all need to be what God made us to be. And sometimes we have different backgrounds and things that give us a little bit different perspective. These things, I think, can be helpful. Now, we're not talking about sinful things. We're talking about different things, and that's the problem, is oftentimes the issue is not whether or not someone is right or wrong, it's just that they're different. But what we say is, you're different from me, so you must be wrong, because I know that I'm right. And that's what we do to each other. And there's differences of of opinions, and there's differences in these things. Acts chapter 15, we see Paul and Barnabas, right? Hey, we're going to go on another missionary journey. Let's take John Mark. And Paul's like, "Uh uh-uh, Barnabas, we're not taking John Mark. That guy defected from us. He left us high and dry during our last missionary journey. There's no way I'm taking John Mark. And Barnabas says, I think we should. He says, no, and they ended up, they separated, and Paul took uh, Silas, and Barnabas took John Mark. Two different teams, because they couldn't come to an agreement, a reconciliation on this issue. Now, here's the thing is, I think they just had different perspectives. And you can argue who was right or wrong in that, but the fact is, is that they had different giftings. Barnabas tended to be a reconciler. Paul tended to be um, <clears throat> very prophetic, we'll say, uh, in his approach to things. And so there's just some difference. So don't assume people's differences are wrong. You just realize that sometimes it's just different. It's not right or wrong. The third thing is competition over limited resources and time. You say, well, what does this happen? Uh, I don't know about you, but has there ever been a time when uh, in our married life, we were trying to decide whose house we're going to go to f- on vacation or for the holidays especially? And sometimes uh, uh, parents can be like, hey, I think you should spend the holidays with us because you spend the holidays with them last time. You see, there's only so much time to go around. There's only so many holidays on on the calendar. And sometimes you try to work it out. Okay, Thanksgiving with you, Christmas with you, then we'll flip-flop. But you see, there's only limited resources. And sometimes people think, well, I deserve to have that time. I deserve to have those resources. It can even be when... uh, 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 all kinds of things where things are being distributed and people think, I deserve more of that than that other person because of this. There just can be conflict over these things. Uh, we see this in the story of Genesis 13. We see Abram and Lot, right? They both had huge flocks. It says they were very rich, okay? And, uh, but the problem is there's only so much grass and so much water out on the plains where they were at. There wasn't enough to sustain both of these flocks. And so it says their herdsmen, their shepherds, began to 
fight and argue over the resources. Hey, stop drinking from that well. It's not going to last forever. Those are for our flocks. Hey, you just overgrazed that pasture. That, we were going to graze our flocks on that pasture. And so what happened is, is they said, okay, Abram says, you, you pick where you want to go, and I'll go the opposite direction so we can have more room. But you see, there was a conflict over the competition of things. Then there's hurt, both intentional and unintentional. A lot of times I think it is unintentional. Sometimes we do face intentional hurt. Someone says or does something intentionally to hurt us. But I think a lot of times we read into things and we think, though, well, what they, well, what do they mean by that? Well, there's only one thing they can mean by that. They're taking a shot at me. And so what happens is that begins to fester. You know, it's kind of like uh, uh, the other day I got a, I got a splinter in my finger. I was reaching down to grab something, and a thorn went inside there, and it broke off. And I spent like an hour last night trying to get that thing out. It's driving me nuts. You know, after a while, I stopped becoming about, you know, just, you know, not, not getting a, a festering sore. It became a, a personal mission. You will not beat me, Thorn. I will extract you from my finger. I did end up giving up because my wife said, you know, wait till next morning. It, it probably will get a, a, a little bit of fluid underneath there, and you can probably get it out easier. She was right. I got it out this morning. I was so happy. Uh, but you know what? Sometimes things will get under our skin, and it'll begin to fester, and it'll begin to get infected, and it just gets worse and worse. And that's sometimes what happens. People say things to us. We don't handle it well. We don't seek reconciliation and understanding we sit there and just let that begin to, to, to just build in our hearts until we built a case against them that they're definitely doing us wrong. And by then, oftentimes, a brother offended, it says, it's harder to be one than a city with walls, uh, Proverbs says. So it becomes very difficult. And then uh, lastly, sinful attitudes, words, and actions. Now, that intentional hurt, that's sinful, okay? And whenever there's sinful attitudes words or actions, then uh, that's going to create conflict. And sometimes it's not a matter of just being different. Sometimes it's a matter of people have sinfully done wrong. There's some things that the Bible clearly said are wrong. If someone steals from you, that is clearly a sin, okay? But that still has to be dealt with in the right way. It's not like, well, hey, since they sinned against me, I'm going to unleash on them a torrent of my fury because they've wronged me. No. Because remember, what is the chief goal in every conflict? To win back the relationship. To win back the relationship. And so we're going to set our sights on the things that matter most. And that's not getting our way. That is, in fact, doing what God has called us to do, which is to reconcile relationships. So now let's talk about some of the inward causes of conflict, okay? I think there's two things that we find here. It's unmet desires or expectations, some of which are legitimate, some of which aren't, and unbiblical thinking, okay? So now these outside, five outside pressures, one of these begins to happen, your heart is going to respond, and this is where it's key. You need to determine what kind of response you're going to have. Now, what happens often, too often, is we just go with whatever we feel in the moment, <laughs> If we're feeling especially ungracious, we're going to go to war. <laughs> Maybe if we're feeling very, very nice that day, we'll say, eh, I'm just going to let it go. Instead, wouldn't it be much better to say, hey, I have a plan how I'm going to deal when conflict happens. 
And I'm not going to go with what I feel in the moment. I'm going to go with what I know to be true and right. I'm going to handle things God's way. Why? Because we want to win back a relationship. That is the chief goal. Now, remember, we say conflict is a difference of opinion or purpose that is frustrating someone's goals or desires. Uh, <clears throat> when we believe we have a desire or an expectation that's not being met, our hearts can respond negatively. Quite frankly, really, really badly. And, of course, unbiblical thinking. So, <clears throat> uh, we do have desires or expectations, sometimes which are legitimate. But what can happen is they can begin to control our hearts. Now, that's what we want to avoid. We can be, listen, it's not wrong to want to be loved. Uh, it's not wrong for people to, to want them to be kind to you. Uh, to have relationships. It's not even wrong to have uh, a desire for food and shelter and clothing. All these things are legitimate desires that God has given us. But what happens is two things. Either uh, we go about the wrong means to get them, or we put them as a way too high a priority in our heart so that they begin to control us. Now, once they control us, we're no longer trying to win a relationship, and we're no longer trying to please God. What we're trying to do is please ourselves. And that's where we run into the problems. So let's think about that from James chapter 4. So you have your Bibles, you're in James chapter 4, and he says, where do wars and fights come from among you? <laughs> well, there we go. There's the opening salvo. There's the, there's the first shot fired. Where do these wars and fights come from among you? And he's talking about within the church family, actually. <laughs> these Christians were, were treating each other very badly. He says, do they not come from the, your desires for pleasure or desire to please yourself that war in your members? Now he switches from members being church members to members being your personal heart. He's saying, why do you guys have struggles with fighting? He goes, I'll tell you, because there's things you want in your heart and you're trying to get them the wrong way. He says, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and you war, but yet you don't have because you don't ask. And when you do ask, and when he's talking here, he's talking about asking God. He says, you don't pray about it. You're not seeking God's will. You're like, no, I want this thing and I will get it. And anyone who stands in the way is going to suffer my wrath. He says, when you do ask, you ask it for all the wrong reasons. You ask amiss so that you can spend it on your pleasures. When you ask God, you're not asking for his will. I mean, that's what Jesus literally said in the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> your kingdom come, your will be done. And they said, hey, I don't care about God's will. I care about my will. I want this to be done. Now, we would not be so brazen. We would not say that to God. What we do is say, God, I just know that, that this is what I deserve. God, I just know that this is the right thing. I know you would want me to have this. And so this person is standing in my way. So, oh, Lord, I pray you pour out your wrath on them so I can get what I need. I mean, uh, you see, essentially, that is what's going on in our hearts. And he says, adulterers and adulteresses. You're like, whoa, man, he just ramped up the language. No, understand what he's trying to say here. He's saying, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? He's saying this. Friendship with the world means this. He goes, the, here's the problem is, is you love the things of this world more than you love Jesus and you love your neighbor. And that's why you're at war. And he says, instead of having loyalty to God in his opinions and his purposes, you're prioritizing your opinion and your purposes to the point where you're willing to harm other people around you to get what your heart wants. 
There's these expectations that are not being met. And so now then we begin to elevate them to the place of priority above God, and they become an idol. Remember the test for idolatry. If something has become an idol in your life, what will you do to get it, and what do you do if you don't get it? And this is a downward spiral. First, we begin to desire something from people. I believe I deserve this. Then we begin to demand it. Listen, you need to give this to me. I deserve this. I'm not going to be happy until I get this. And then we go from desire to demand to destroy. If you won't give it to me, I cut you off. Or I will needle you and I will, I will hound you until I get what I want. I will harm the relationship. Instead of being a servant, I'm going to be a taker. And we have the problem of unbiblical thinking. Sometimes we just desire or expect things that are not even biblical for us to have. Um, <clears throat> I mean, if I were to say in this church, what I expect of the church members is absolute unquestioned loyalty. You would say, oh, pastor, you're asking something God never said you should have. And by the way, I should never have that. <laughs> There's no such thing as absolute unquestioned loyalty. Our loyalty, all of us, are to Jesus Christ, right? And so uh, if I'm wrong, you got to come and help me and tell me I'm wrong. But we, I could say, well, that's what I really want. In, in order to feel loved as a pastor, that's what, I, that's what I want. And you say, that's not legitimate for you to have or to even want. That's a bad thing. You need to change your heart, preacher. And that would be true. So there's sometimes we expect things from people that we don't have the right to expect or demand or even desire from them. And sometimes we ask people to give us things which only God, God can. Oftentimes we will ask people to give us what only God can. They say, I want you to give me self-worth. I want you to make me feel secure. I want you to give me hope. I want you to give me happiness. And people expect so much out of a relationship. That's why I think a lot of relationships fail. Because people are expecting things from those relationships that they should be going to God to get. And here's the awesome thing. When you go to God to get it, then you're free then to actually do those things for other people. You're able to love them well and to affirm them and to support them and to encourage them and, and help, help them find security. But when we try to find it in people, we're asking too much. And sometimes our wrong thinking is simply we make the conflict about us. Listen, I want you to get this in your mind right now. Conflict is not about me. Let's say it. Conflict is not about me. It's about God. It really is. You're saying, are you saying he's at fault? <laughs> what I'm saying is this. Is God allows conflict for his purposes. Conflict is a result of sin, and that is bad. But God uses conflict for his glory to shape us and actually build stronger relationships. This is what you're thinking. I mean, this is what, what I used to think. Say, no, conflict weakened the relationships so that it's so frail, one day it falls apart. That may be true if we handle it incorrectly, but if we see it from God's perspective, handling it from God's perspective, this is what happens. We actually strengthen it. Our relationship bonds become even stronger, and they were able to withstand even greater assaults against that bond. They actually get stronger. You see, the problem is our fallen heart makes idols of our opinions and our desires. We say, they're hindering me from what I think should happen and what I want to happen. Therefore, they are now my enemy. 
We have to change the way we think about that because that's not the real issue. The real issue is God is bringing this into my life to help change me to be more like Jesus and help me to have a deeper relationship with this person. Because we make idols of our fallen opinions, when people don't give us what we want, it can get really ugly in a hurry. Someone said this, anytime we long for something apart from God, fear something more than God, or trust something other than God to make us happy, fulfilled, or secure, we worship a false God. And that's what's happening here. And idols really, really show us what we, uh, what we worship. When we begin to want these things more than we want to honor God and to rescue a relationship or restore a relationship, we show that that the real idol of our heart is whatever that thing is in that conflict. Whatever started it is the thing that becomes the idol or the God, the functional God of your life. The, the, Matthew makes it clear. He says, out of the abundance of the heart flow, and he names a whole bunch of different sins. He goes, out of the abundance of the heart. The reason we do what we do is not a fluke. Well, you just caught me on a bad day. <laughs> I mean, there's a sense in which one day you're, ha you're really struggling and you respond wrongly, but uh, let me tell you what conflict does. It really reveals what's in your heart. What's going on in your heart comes out in your conflict. And actually, that's a mercy of God because God is going to take that then and say, okay, do you like what you see? No? Well, the Bible's a, a, like a mirror. God holds it up to us and we're able then to change what's going on. If, if the reactions that are coming out of you are bad then that means you need to change what's inside the heart. <laughs> He's given us an opportunity to do that. So I just want to end with this, this few thoughts, okay, from James. Because he doesn't stop here. He ends up giving a whole lot of hope. In James chapter 4, he says, uh, uh, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's the end of verse 4 where we kind of left off. Or do you think that Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? I, I don't think the Spirit here means the Holy Spirit. I think he's saying this, that there is a heart that we have that earnestly and jealously desires to get something. I think he's actually saying something bad is bad is happening here. We battle a heart that constantly is making idols of things it shouldn't. We should only worship God, but we constantly yearn. But listen to what verse 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know what he's telling us? Yeah, you're going to struggle, but God has a solution, and that's to come to him with humility and say, Lord, I'm struggling in this conflict. Now, he, verse 7, he says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. So now we're going to yield all our desires, all our expectations, all of our thinking to God. God, I want to think your way. I want to do things your way. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. He's saying, you know, the big problem here is you're functional atheist. <laughs> you say you're loyal to God, believe in God, but you handle your problems on your terms instead of God's terms. He goes, that's the opposite of what a Christian does. I think he's really calling into question if these are genuine believers. Not just in this passage, but several others in James. He's saying, listen, if you are a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, you handle your problems God's way because God is the king of your life. Because Jesus sits on the throne of your heart. And you're willing to yield it all to him. 
So he says, listen, if that isn't true for you, you need to, to mourn, to weep over your sin, and to cry out for God's mercy, and he will save you. you. Remember, he's the guy who really enjoys reconciling people to himself through Jesus. That's kind of God's thing. Huh? He really likes bringing us back to him uh, in love through Jesus Christ. So we're going to recognize that our desires and thinking are wrong. That's what he's pointing out in James. You're thinking about this wrong. You're acting like you don't even know who God is. Okay, number two is repent of pride and selfishness. What does he say? Submit to God, resist the devil, draw near to him, cleanse your hands, lament, mourn, humble yourselves. Realize I can't live this way, I can't think this way. God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And then he says, lastly, run to Jesus and he'll help you. What does he say? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, right? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, verse 10, and he will lift you up. We run to Jesus Christ, and Jesus is able to identify the areas that we've made idols in our life. He's able then to help us submit those idols to him, to put him as the highest priority of our life, and then we can begin to see God take conflict and turn it into spiritual growth, both for ourselves and those that we're struggling in conflict with. God can do amazing things. So I want you to walk away today saying this, hey, God has called me to be a peacemaker because he is, and Conflict is an opportunity for me to examine my heart and draw nearer to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, your mercy and grace. Lord, it's written all over this passage in James. It's written all over uh, the Old New Testament. God, that you are a God that loves to reconcile people to yourself. Yes, we're sinners. But God, you didn't look down at us in sin and just utterly reject us. But Lord, you've reached out in love and invited us to come and have a relationship with you. And you've proven it by sending Jesus, your son, to die on the cross. He took the punishment that I deserve, the judgment that I deserve for my rebellion, he took it. And then he invites us then to, to receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How? It's all by faith. We come to God and say, hey, I'm sorry. Uh, I have sinned against you. I deserve nothing but judgment. There's nothing good about me that would make me desirable to you. But Lord, and just sheer love, not because of anything that I've done, but because of who you are. You've reached out in love and sent Jesus Christ to die for my sins. And so that if I will by faith put my trust in him alone for salvation, if I will say, King Jesus, you, God sent you to be king of the world and I am submitting to you as the king of my life. I'm submitting it all to you. I'm not going to live life on my terms. I'm going to live it on your terms. And if we will come and by faith and cast our entire hope and trust on him, he says, we will be saved. So God, thank you so much for sending Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, my hope and prayer is that anyone here who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, God, that they would, they would just right now lament and mourn over their sins. Say, God, I don't deserve anything but judgment, but God, I'm, I'm begging you, please save me. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. He will reconcile you through Jesus Christ. He will give you eternal hope in heaven. He will um, fill you with the Holy Spirit. He will give you grace to follow him each day. And he will be progressively making you more and more like Jesus as you seek him in his word through the Spirit. So God, thank you for all these things. Help us to handle conflict well because we live in a world filled with deepening conflict, anger, rage, and, and horrible acts of violence toward each other. God, I pray that we would bring peace to every area of our life. 
whether it's at work, whether it's our personal relationships, our, our marriages, uh, how we interact with our children. God, we would bring peace because Jesus is our king. And we ask that you might do it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Hey, let me tell you this. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, would you give me a call this week and say, hey, I need to know more about Jesus Christ. Catch somebody uh, here at the church, somebody that you know goes here and say, hey, can you tell me more about Jesus? Because it is too important to walk away and not do anything about it. Uh, he's done so much to reach out to you. It's time for you to reach out to him. Amen. Uh, we're going to make a quick transition and uh, we're going to